Welcome to the TBE Richmond Podcast. I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On this feed, you'll hear sermons, teachings, music, conversations with guests, and so much more from us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Thanks for learning and growing with us. Shabbat Shalom. If I had known that my, I was coming forth to follow Rabbi Predator and the esteemed family history of Gary Goldberg, I may have chosen the next week's However, here it is. Let my heart go forth. The portions in this part of the Torah are the momentous thing to have. In this large, significant, and overflowing portion, God makes a covenant with Abraham, promising to make his descendants a great nation. God changes Abraham's name to Abraham. Abraham has a child, Sarah's slave, Hagar. Hagar, unfortunately, is banished and gives birth to Ishmael. God then promises Abraham's barren wife, Sarah, that she will have a child. And then, the drama happens. There are many parts and points of this parasha that we can discuss in a multitude of points. It is rich and layered and complex, and all of those wonderful things that Torah scholars rub their hands together in belief for. For me, it's the very personal and human story between Sarah and Hagar that gets my interest every time I read it. We all know why Abraham went to Sarah told me to. She was old, and at that time, she was very worried that she could not conceive. Sarah bade Abraham to go to Hagar. Hagar conceives. Then, there's a little bit of jealousy, and Sarah banishes Hagar, who then has issues. Now, God makes good on his promise to Sarah. Sarah conceives. Isaac is born. Now, eventually, Hagar returns, not because she wants to, maybe, but because God makes a promise that from Ishmael also there will be a great nation. Now, we can easily start off on a Jews and Muslims should be like, because God called this conversation to Safari, but we won't. Firstly, I am not a trained diplomat, a trained Torah scholar or a trained expert on the geopolitical nuances of the Middle East conflict. Others may claim to be, I do not. But what I am a bit of an expert on, and you will excuse my lack of modesty, is people. Abraham, Hagar and Ishmael, Sarah and Isaac, they are all people and lost. It's easy to say, but Hagar did what God told her to do. I always wondered about the deeper why of Hagar's return. But she had born Abraham's son, and now due to this, they were a family, a very complex family, but a family nonetheless. When I read Lekwaka, I find myself doing the same thing every year, reading it multiple times. Just because I don't have expertise in certain things doesn't mean that I don't want to put it from potential to you. Diplomacy, peace, politics, people, faith, and culture. Oh, wait! I said I do have an expertise in all these things. That's right. People. For 30 years, I've worked in a field, a very people-focused field, of administration, for one of event and multi-tile description. And sooner or later, everyone comes to the admin guy or girl. My document won't print. My email isn't downloading. Why does my food always go to see from the team fridge, even though I label my name on it? How do I get along with the angry CFO? Why does that team get their stuff done more quickly than mine? 
We are often labeled with the term a fixer because we get many of those tasks done that free up the time of others for their work. And because so many of us are in the job because we like to support others and we like people, we learn very quickly and very much about other people. Hagar and Sarah are the ultimate of office politics. With the pregnancy of one, the other tells her to put on her Nikes and hit the road. But the CEO tells her to go back, and she does. And when they have to share an open office plan with what I'm sure started as a very awkward silence, these two women with different sons, different backgrounds, had one thing in common. Abraham, aka the chief operating officer. They are now a family, and indeed a community. Many of you may or may not know that the modern word community is derived from the conjunction of words common unity. The eventual mashing of Latin, Greek, Germanic, and Old English derivations had us end up with one word community. After all, we all like things to be easy and convenient. Community is certainly much easier to text than common unity. And I've often wanted more of a story of the family, not of the great momentous doings in the Pasha. I wanted the story of that first dinner when Hagar returned. How did that go? Was it quiet and subdued with uncomfortable glances across the table? Or was it like real housewives of Beverly Hills with overturned tables and drinks for their faces? <laughs> Some of you must have gone like that. Ultimately, however and whatever happened, in however and whatever framework, we have a budding community. That is, people running around a common focus, in this case, Abraham. You may expect me to now jump into some narrative about Isaac and Ishmael and the nations they forged and the difficulty they faced and still face today, especially given its policy, not even once. As I said, that isn't my expertise. My expertise is people, and that's why I'm in the job that I'm in today. Whenever I read and then reread the Bible, regardless of the viewpoint, I am struck by the humanity. The excitement of being promised great things, the fear of not being able to fulfill that promise, the desperation of finding a solution, the jealousy of that then solution coming home to roost, the conflict between two women, the binding unity that is the one man. All of this is easily transferable to many other points of history, society, and community. The drama of Le Placard. Therefore, it's maybe not so much dynasty best, or as you say here, dynasty best, as it is more suburban best. There are things in this parasha that we can actually see in our own backyard. Torah loves to point it out back in. After all, it is a prism. It can show us many things depending on the angle we view it from. Like a prism that splits parallel ordinary white light into a stunning rainbow, Torah can strip what seems to be a single truth into many different truths, depending on the angle from which we read it. This idea of community being one. Over the last three years, we've had to redefine so many things due to the COVID pandemic and its impact on our society and its component communities. One of the things that gave birth to is the Zoom community. People are people, though, and we want other people in our lives. After all, we are both tribe and a herd. We cannot exist in isolation. For a community that thrives on the interpersonal, this really did hit Jewish communities where it hurts our people and our connections. For us, our common connection is our synagogue. 
You expected me to say faith, right? Well, no. That actually can be practiced in isolation. Although I'm certain the rabbi will let me know next week how many different arguments can be made against that. Our connection is that building moment. It's a place where we can learn It's our communal identity. It's our communal worship space. Sometimes Friday evening, sometimes Saturday morning. And it's often where we see two different communities because of that. The Friday crowd and the Saturday crowd. It is also our communal history, but more on that after the renovation is finished. In short, our synagogue provides the focal point of our community. Our community. COVID forced us away from each other, and we all gathered by a Zoom. We found a way, as us Jews do, around the problem. Then vaccines came, and we found that for many of us, we could come back together, even if we continue to wear masks. But then it's also continued to split us up, because we have two communities now, the in-person crowd and the Zoom crowd. And then we found there was a new hidden community that we didn't see before, that Zoom allowed us access to and then access to us. The Zoom meant that we could finally get there without killing ourselves or the kids. And also, the, I am so busy with my career and my personal life that I don't have time for that. For that group, Zoom continued to be a way of worshipping and gathering relative ease that our solution through COVID provided. Lives are busy, families are busy, kids are hard. Careers have us working working long hours. Families have schedules within schedules. Zoom became the necessary element in the room. Wait a minute. This wasn't that, that hard to this Where are we now? It's simple. We're in our community. But it is still fractured. Zoom allows us to tap into a part of our community that suffered due to their lack of time and the complexities of their life. Now, when we think of the service, we think of it using the term hybrid. As many in my professional network know from the email, the genie is out of the bottle, and yet I am seeing people I only usually saw at high holidays on a screen at least every week. This is our idea of TV together. We, the board, the committees, the clergy, and the staff are all working on as many ways as possible to gather in person. And yet these opportunities still do not work for many of the previously missing members of our community. A community that desperately want to be called. When Sarah cast out Hagar, it split the community. Now, God commanded that Hagar go back, and don't get me wrong, a divine command is a very reason, which might as well start walking. But I want to know the more nuanced and multifaceted explanation of why she went back. I imagine for her that it was traumatic to say the least. I want to believe that there were more layers to her decision. She bore Abraham's son. There was now a human connection of hers to Abraham, and it was the greatest expression of life and love a woman could use, a child. Plus, she had been with Sarah for many years. And remember the culture of the time, Sarah owned Abraham. So there was probably far more to their relationship than the story has told us. And so I want to believe that the return had far more to it than a divine command. I hope there was yearning. We returned to each other warily at first. We still didn't have all the answers. There were some who chose not to be vaccinated. Some didn't like masks. Some got vaccinated and came and continued to wear masks, and some still do. 
and some don't. Some have compromised immunity and will continue to worship via Zoom. And for that third group who need to be seen before Zoom, they will still continue to buy Zoom. This helps their lifestyle. And then, part of that Zoom community, they like the ability to worship in their comfy clothes while nibbling on wash. That's okay, I think. However, there is something missing. It was a real joy to see these people that we hadn't seen before gathering on Zoom. But then, as things began to change to a new normal, PS, newsflash, the old normal, is never come back. There were still those left behind. That building is so much more than the physical bits and pieces that are currently being rendered. It is a focal for our community, our TV community. And when we gather there, and when we do, I can at least say on my behalf that it is special to be in that room. To see the faces, to hear the voices, to have my attention wandered due to a child giggling or crying, to hear the whispered gossiping. Don't look at me like that, you know. <laughs> it's people and all their wonderful complex diversity, just as Abraham's done. Lake Akhafani is about the people, family, the gathering, and the return. There is so much more to this parashah, of course, but it is this part that I focus on during this, my reading in 2022-273, for today's Navar. Also, as your executive director and still a relatively new member of the TVE family, I recognise that our family will gather now in very different ways, and for some that will continue to be so, and the mechanism and the genes in office. When we go back to the renovated sanctuary, our new technology will provide what I'm hoping will be a crystal clear and reliable method for the virtual members of our family. But this is a demand for us, so there's got to be a lesson. Thank you. It is time for those who can do to come back. There are far too many things. Yes, even in the space graciously provided by networks, we are limited to how many we can see, 55 at most. But as they say, begin within, begin here. Your board, your staff, your clergy, your community, we ask you to come back. And then when Sanctuary reopens in the new year, we ask you to come back in force. Let it be Friday night, let it be Saturday morning. Maybe it's every two weeks or once a month, but come back more often. Better, of course. Why? Because your family is. I would miss it with you, but I still haven't met anybody. So come back for me, so that I may start conversations to get to know to get to know your family, your dreams, your Jewish dollars, and even your non-Jewish dollars. Return to us as neighbor. Let us build on what we know is actually. It's okay if you want to sit in silent silence, but Josephine has asked me please don't turn over. Let us be teaming today. Let us return to a family that's both new and also the same. As we're reading one family coming back together at that time, let us actively come back together as the teaming family teaming together. Shabbat This has been the TBE Richmond Podcast. Once again, I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. On behalf of all of us here at Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia, thanks for listening. 
I hope this episode was uplifting and enriching. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. And please rate and review us so others will have an easier time joining the conversation. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Learn more about our dynamic, warm, and passionate congregation affiliated with the United Synagogue of Conservative Judaism at www.bethelrichmond.org. Until next time, shalom y'all.